The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about the latest updates on the medication PrEP and HIV for adults and adolescents. The PrEP medication is prescribed by a healthcare provider. PrEP is only for people who do not have HIV and its use can be determined and tailored for an individual's needs and circumstances. Our co-host, Dr. D. Banks Bright, an infectious disease specialist, will give us the latest guidelines, PrEP medications, and strategies so that we can protect ourselves and live a safe and sexy life. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. D. Banks Bright. So how are you today, D? I'm doing excellently. How are you? I am fine. And it is sunny. I love it when it's sunny outside, don't you? I know. Me too. Me too. I don't you know what I keep telling people, it's August something. You better enjoy this while you can enjoy it. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So mm-hmm. we are here, though. We are here, right? We are here. Yes, we are. Yes. This is episode 236. And today we discuss we discuss the latest updates on PrEP. And PrEP means um, pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's a medication. And we're talking about that and HIV for adults and adolescents. Now, here are some key points about PrEP that you probably should know, and Dee will go more into details later on in the show, but the PrEP medication is prescribed by a healthcare provider, and people interested in the PrEP can work with a healthcare provider to determine, you know, how PrEP can be tailored to their individual needs and circumstances. PrEP is only for people who are not living with HIV and HIV testing is conducted before starting PrEP and repeated (laughs) every three months if the person has chosen oral PrEP. People are at risk for HIV are also at risk for sexually transmitted infections and counseling about using condoms to prevent STIs and periodic screening um, for STIs is important and may be provided by the health care provider as well. And so our co-host, Dr. D. Banks-Bright, who all of you know is an infectious disease specialist. She will give us the latest updates today on PrEP medication um, guidelines for adolescents and adults. She will also share with us tips and strategies on how you can protect yourself to live a safe and healthy life. And we can't wait for her to share with us all of this good information this episode. Right, Dee? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Such an important topic. Now, folks, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. 
is all about health and fitness. Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. Now, when you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You'll be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests and talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about our physical health, but we talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. Because here at Vicky Doe Fitness, we believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and review this show because that is how we grow and we increase our listeners. We definitely appreciate you. Don't forget, don't forget to check out our resources page, vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. There you will find products and services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. We have a variety of items on our resource list, you know, for you to check out and try. We have Reebok. You know, I always try to pull out some shoes or something with the Reebok on it because of their legacy. We got the Warby Parker for glasses. It's online. You can do your glasses. Um, They have contacts as well. Polar. Polar. Check out Polar. Y'all see me when y'all see me in pictures walking. You will see my real vibrant light lime. What is it? Like a lime green bracelet. But it's actually. Oh, wow. It's actually my Polar, my monitor, my my health fitness tracker. So go check that out as well. I Remedy Healthcare. Yeah, we still got to order them them masks. <laughs> we still we still You better. We we still yeah, yeah, we still in that. We still in that. You better. Cardia. Cardia, that's new to our page, our resources page. And that's where you can put your thumb on this um monitor. It's cute. You can do your heart rate, your EKG your or ECG, how some folks say it, and will tell you whether you have abnormalities, what your heart rate is, and all of that. You can send that if it's an emergency or what have you, you can send it to your physician. So it's very important to have, most especially if you have heart problems or something like that, that is on our page as well. We also have the right stuff, medical supplies for caregivers. Go on that. They have all kinds of stuff, canes and all of that for those of you guys that need medical supplies for home care. RTT, that's on the list. You know, one of these days I'm going to talk more about tea because you know I love tea. Go and check them out. They always have great sales and different things going on. My lab box, we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Ecolunchbox.com is on this list. And I can just go on and on. We have much, much more on that list. So make sure you go check out our vickidofitness.com forward slash 
resources, our page. But let's talk a little bit about MyLabBox.com. Now, MyLabBox is the first and only nationwide at-home testing and treatment service. They offer a broad range of health kits from the most comprehensive STD panel on the market. They got 14 tests in this kit, hepatitis C, cervical cancer screening they have, women's health, men's health, wellness health screening kits, and much, much more. And all of these kits, once you buy the kit, once you do the kit, do whatever you need to do, the blood, the saliva, whatever you're doing, to get the test results, you're going to send that to the lab. They're going to send you your results. And with this, you will have a free physician consult and counseling if you are positive for something, right? And so that's what's important about mylabbox.com. So go check out, go check out mylabbox.com for your lab needs. They have a sale going on right now as well. Go to our resources page, vickidofitness.com forward slash resources to find it. Or you can use our direct link. Go to vickidofitness.com forward slash my lab box. And their tagline is safe is sexy. So you guys, y'all got to be safe out there. And so here's, here's a way to do it in the convenience of your home and the right space. Remember, when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and services on our resources page, you're supporting us here at Vicky Doe Fitness. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, like we were saying, man, it's August already. Wow. I know. I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm like, you know, there, there are some, I have uh, mentees that are with me this summer, and they're getting ready to get ready to go back to college week after next. Wow. Summer is over. And I was in Atlanta, which I'll mention in a few minutes, and school started back on Monday. Oh, yeah. They start early down south. I couldn't believe it. And I think around here, too, but I don't know exactly when they start around here. But it's it's not late like they used to. Remember, they used to start a lot oh, of schools. Yeah, after Labor Day. Yes, but some schools are oh, starting early. Labor Day things are gone, yeah. yeah. I want, is it because of the snow? And, yeah, the know, snow days. days. Because of the snow days and all of that, do you think? Yes, yeah, because, you know, snow. That's what I was wondering. Snow around here comes early now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look up in October, you know, you you dabbling <laughs> some snowflakes in your driveway or something, you know. I, I know. So, I know. yeah, but I was shocked. I mean, on Monday, so the summer vacation is over. And then I went to Walmart yesterday. <laughs> Another sign, the shelves are filled with all these, what do you call them, little baby microwaves and little, you know, stuff like that for kids' <laughs> dorm rooms. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they getting ready for the you know, for dorm and 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 those yeah. book supplies and all that kind you of stuff. You remember that with your little sweeties, don't you remember doing that? Oh yeah, rooms all ready and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I I had to start early. I had to do I had to do high school and college. We had to get them ready for the dorms. Right, that's right. Because they were in school in Cleveland. Yeah, so it was a a long, you know, shoot. It was a long. <laughs> 
I know. But yeah, that's happening now. Well, yeah, August is our family, our family birthday month in our household. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's I try right. to, I try to, you know, do something special weekly. You know, like like we might now, go. Now, whose birthdays are coming up? Well, well, Nate's coming up. Mine, me, and Natalie's. Ours is on the same day, and then okay. my mother. So we are we all August babies. So do you all have any big plans or anything like that? Uh, we we'll just um do a little something something. But you know we've been we did a lot of traveling already. Remember because I just yeah, got back from Atlanta, right. hot yeah. Atlanta. How was Atlanta? I saw you all hiking. How was that? Yeah, Natalie and I, you know, and then if T is with us. You know, we always, everywhere we go, we try to go and do a little hiking or trail or getting uh-huh. out with the uh-huh. folks. And so this time uh-huh. we were in Stone Mountain. So I said, let's go and walk up Stone Mountain, the trail and everything. Okay. Folks were, I, I mean, it was nice. You know, a lot of times we get the, what can I say? A lot of times we get the, the stereotype that all we doing, all black folks doing is shitting around uh-huh. and eating. Uh-huh. No, no, uh-huh. no, no. Uh-huh. We uh-huh. saw a lot of black sisters, uh, families, brothers and sisters mm-hmm. with their families, mm-hmm. um, young, older, all of that, mm-hmm. walking up mm-hmm. and doing things on Stone Mountain. I yeah. was impressed. Yeah, good. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So we're, we are embracing health and fitness and trying to walk. So that's a good thing. I love that. That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Atlanta as we were talking for the National Medical Association, but one of the things that I participated in this time that I really had not participated in the years past is walk a mile with a child. <sighs> so we went down to Centennial Park, yes. and I hadn't really walked for a minute. I said, you know, let me start. This might be a good way to get myself motivated. Back. So I went to Centennial Park where they had the 1996 Olympics. Yes. And there were about, you know, when you talk about uh, folks not showing up, there were about maybe 100 people out That's there. That's nice. Maybe, well, maybe 80 to, 80 to 90 people out there. And we got out there at 730 in the morning. Okay. We had our little exercise routine before it started. And then we walked around Centennial Park, which was a mile. And it was great. Like you say, a lot of people showing up and showing out. Showing up and showing out. And that's refreshing. Yeah. I love that. It is. It is. So, you know, we're not we're not just couch potatoes sitting around not doing anything. African Americans are trying to make the best of, you know, exercise and fitness, like you say. Yeah, and that's good. So kudos to all the folks that were in yeah. we, we started early though we were like yeah let's get out early because you know in a I mean, minute because when that sun comes out it's over when that sun comes out we said and that's why they were lagging behind trying to um you know get everything all squared away and stuff like that and we were like uh it's getting close to about 8 30 that sun's gonna be popping out here in a hot minute that's seriously it. hot minute so that's good so we did that anything else you did tell us about your whole uh, um, thing there well, the meeting, the, I was at the National Medical Association, which is the organiz, oldest organization for African-American physicians. I guess now we're about 100 and maybe 107, 8 years old. Mm-hmm. And for me, we hadn't been together for three years since COVID. And for me, it was an excellent opportunity to see a lot of young African-American and people of color. I mean, yes. it wasn't just African-Americans. There were Latinos. There were um, people, let's say, I, I like it how my, my, I have a good friend, Dial Hewlett, he says, people of the diaspora. 
for us. There you go. So we had people from the African continent and from Latinos and certainly African Americans. And a lot of young, what I was impressed with, a lot of young movers and shakers. You mm-hmm. saw a lot of women in non-traditional medical fields, well, it used to be, mm-hmm. you know, neurosurgery, orthopedic surgery, mm-hmm. like our friend Dr. Susan Stevens, and mm-hmm. uh, otolaryngology, like our friend Dr. Tanya Farmer. You had a lot of women in non-traditional uh, medical fields, but they were in cardiology and interventional cardiology and all that. I, you know, I sat back and I was like, I'm so proud of all of these young mm-hmm. physicians because, you know, I, I remember the day when there were only a few of us mm-hmm. uh, and the only medical schools really were Howard and Meharry mm-hmm. and then Drew came along, but now we have Howard, Meharry, Drew in California and Morehouse uh, Medical School in now, so does Morehouse it was just a really good time? Does Morehouse is it? It's even though it's you know it's a, a mean college for their medical school. They have mm-hmm. both both mm-hmm. sexes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for the medical school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they do. Okay. And the pre- the president is Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice. Okay. Uh, yeah, who has made a, a you know significant name for herself. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was very very good. Very awesome. well attended. So, yeah, so what is yeah. their what's their theme? You know, every time you go to the conferences, they have a theme for the for the year. What's this their theme? Year, I, I don't remember this year. I don't remember seeing a theme. Okay. I, I do remember though there were a lot of like we were just talking earlier. Mm-hmm. Preventive medicine is a biggie. Yeah, that's good. Um, and a lot of the conference talks, no matter what area of specialty they were in, they were talking about weight control, yes. obesity, diabetes, and all these kinds of things not covid because i think they assume that most people now have heard covid enough right we need to get back to basics about having people to consider their other health things now that you know vaccinations and stuff so there's a lot of stuff on health and wellness that's awesome like i always say we got to get back to healthy living come on now <laughs> yeah uh, get back to healthy living you know the you know we've all we, we need to come out of the cages a little bit mm-hmm. um you know, because although, and we're not probably not going to be able to vaccinate our way out of COVID, but, you know, you wear your mask, you do the best you can, and you don't have to exercise with throngs of thousands. You can be, you know, 10 feet away from somebody and walk around the park or those kinds of things. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, so that's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, that's yeah, good, yeah. Dee, that is good. Yeah, it was excellent, it was excellent. So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicki, everything, and some sad news too. Yes, we got some sad news, but I want to remind people that this is August and this is National Immunization Awareness Month. And so the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that's CDC, sponsors National Immunization Awareness Month. And August is the month to highlight the importance of vaccination for people of all ages. Uh, So you want to go to this website, www.cdc.gov forward slash vaccines and use CDC's educational and promotional resources. And you can find all these things about the National Immunization Awareness Month. And this month of August is used to encourage people to stay up to date on recommended vaccines during this COVID-19 pandemic. We got other things that you can you need to be keeping up with your vaccinations on. And so you can also share for those of you that are in the health and wellness 
arena or those that just want to share with your friends and family, you can share their My Health Finder vaccine resources. Go to www.health.gov forward slash My Health Finder. And that's to help people learn about vaccines they need to stay healthy. And it's a great time to explore. They have what is called a Healthy People 2030 Vaccination Objectives that you can learn about. Um, You can learn about the national efforts to increase vaccination rates. And so you can find out all this information. Go to www.health.gov forward slash healthy people. So what do you say to that, Dee? Oh, that's uh, great. It's kind of interesting that you talk about that. One of my new endeavors is that I am applying to become a member of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. And this is the committee under the CDC. When you hear about, well, they got to do vaccine approval. So the pharmaceutical company goes to the FDA and the FDA either gives thumbs up or thumbs down about whether or not the vaccine is going to be approved. And then after that, it's taken to the, then the FDA takes it to the advisory committee for immunization practices. And this is the last committee before there's thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. And they are looking to increase diversity, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because they know that, you know, these vaccines are not getting to the people that they need to get to. And Part of the reason is that they don't have enough trusted messengers out there to help spread the word. Mm, Okay. So I'm hoping to fit into that role, um, and I've gotten some letters of recommendation. So the application process isn't that bad, but it's a lot of work. But, you know, I just keep figuring there's always a purpose to continue to get the word out. That's it. So that's kind of what it is. So it's interesting that you put National Immunization Awareness Month as part. So that's what I'm doing right now, get my essays and stuff together to show why I should be selected to be on that committee. Yeah. Yes, you should. And that'll be nice. (laughs) Yes, you should. All right. Well, guess what? Two of my favorite folks, and they are icons in our community. They transition and pass away, and I would love to, you know, hear your perspective on it. But, you know, we talk about, let's go with Bill Russell first. He was Mm -hmm. the greatest Mm -hmm. professional basketball player of all time. and He was the GOAT. Yeah, don't get Brother Bill talking because Brother Bill loved the Boston Celtics. (laughs) And so, yes, he died, uh, what, July 31st. He was 88 years old. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was that old, yeah. Mm -hmm. You you will always see him coming out, you know, really being an advocate for a lot of our issues in our black community and that's what I loved about him as well mm-hmm. you know yeah that's true the last time I saw him in person I was running around trying to find my pictures last night I went to the inauguration of President Obama the first one and okay. was fortunate enough to get tickets not right up on the stand but within the on the Capitol ground so you okay. can see a lot of things and uh-huh. there and behold was was uh Bill Russell walking past us with a baseball cap on, you know, everybody was cheering and yelling out Bill Russell and all of that. And, you know, I um, there have been numerous, numerous conversations on ESPN and, and so forth about Bill Russell. And what people don't understand is, I guess, my era, the, the baby boomers. Okay. Bill Russell stood up for civil rights, and they, they, they 
talk about how bad and mean the Boston fans were to him. You know, Boston, people look at Boston, Massachusetts, as the seat of um, education, Harvard, and, yeah. and, and, you know, all these schools, and, and MIT, and Simmons. But Boston was a very segregated town. Mm-hmm. And I remember back in the uh, 70s, 1670s, mm-hmm. where they had a huge problem with busing kids, you know, from one neighborhood to the other. Because you had Roxbury, was a black neighborhood, but extremely segregated from the others. And the Celtics fans were not nice to Bill Russell. Okay. And I'll never forget, there's an iconic picture that I often on Facebook, and I had put it up there, too, where they came together in Cleveland, Ohio, okay. when I think Muhammad Ali was trying to make his decision about whether he was going to go to war or whatever, and it was an iconic picture with Bill Russell and Abdul Jabbar and all of that, so, you know, and the thing that Bill Russell, you know, they talk about his time in playing professional basketball was not 1956 to 1969, and he did marching with the civil rights movement, he could have lost his job. Yeah. You know, they could have found some reason to get him out of there. Fortunately, he was, like you say, the GOAT. Yeah, he you was know, the I GOAT. I don't care what they say about uh, Michael Jordan and, yeah. and LeBron and all of them. Yeah. Bill Russell was the GOAT on so many different levels. Yes, yeah. So many different levels. And so uh-huh. he could have easily lost his job. Those people could have easily figured out some way to get him out of there. So I just say... Bravo to him, uh, as they say, a great tree has fallen. Ah, yes, yes. So, yeah, wow. But, yeah, and and he was just... He was just on something a, a few months ago, I thought. Was you know, he? Yeah, oh, talking, wow. talking. So wow. um, that's why it was like, what? Yeah. But I, I don't know yeah. what he he died of. Was it natural causes? I don't either. I don't know, Vicky. I, I haven't seen that either. Me either. Yeah. So usually they kind of come out a little bit later. Uh-huh. And, right, and, what he passed Yeah, with, right. yeah, and tell us. Kudos to him, and yes, mm-hmm. all he did, yeah. And I remember seeing on ENN Monday some of the young um, African-American commentators, women, mm-hmm. who were talking about how, you know, that Bill Russell made it possible for, you know, they had a lot of black anchors on that they, they were talking. They said, look around this table. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that Bill Russell fought for, you wouldn't have three black anchors on a television station mm-hmm. all at one time. And you and I know that. That's yes. my era. We, you know, that has gradually progressed. You wouldn't, yes. you wouldn't see that. So a lot of the things that he stood for and fought for and spoke out for, you know, good for him. Good for him. That's yeah, good for him. And I think he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yes. Uh, Obama was. Uh, That's what it was. They were the kind of. Sh- uh-huh. They were showing that. The That's what it was. Presidential Medal of Freedom. Yep. Yep, that's what it was. That was it. it. Well, you know, I watch Star Trek, but see, I would watch the reruns and then the movie. (laughs) Right. And see, I'm old enough. Shut up, Biggie. Don't nobody want to hear that, okay? No one really wants to hear how young you are and how you listen to some doggone reruns or watch them. Okay? Because I was, I was looking I at. I saw the originals. Okay, I saw the originals that came out in the '60s while I was late high school going to college. Save it. Okay, okay. I will shut up. Yeah. Save it. Yes, yes, yes. That's funny. And so Nicole Nichols died. Yes. She yes. was our. Mm-hmm. You know, she was another one of those. I remember growing up that mm-hmm. when we would watch 
TV, mm-hmm. you know, you always, our parents, there's a black person, there's another black person. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was like that. When she was on Star Trek, mm-hmm. it was another one of those, oh, there's a black person. And she yes. was beautiful. Yes. And she, you know, she was just, she came, I guess it was, it first aired in 1968. Mm-hmm. And here she was, this beautiful black woman sitting and being uh, one of those astronauts on Star Trek. With yes. All these so it says, confirmed by Gilbert Bell, her talent manager and business partner 15 years nicole shared one of the first interracial kisses mm-hmm. in television history on star trek that moment with william shatner was a courageous move on the part of her star trek creator gene roddenberry and nbc considering the climate at the time yes. but the episode plato's stepchildren which aired in 1968 was written to give all involved and out uhura and Captain Kirk did not choose to kiss, but were instead made to do so involuntarily by the aliens, aliens uh-huh. <laughs> with the ability to control the movements of humans. Nevertheless, it was a landmark moment. Mm-hmm. There had been a couple of interracial kisses on TV before, a year earlier on moving with Nancy, Sammy Davis Jr. kissed Nancy Sinatra on the cheek in what appeared to be a spontaneous gesture, but in fact carefully planned. The Yuhuru Kirk kiss was likely the first televised white African-American to lip kiss, but Yuhuru, whose name comes from Swahili, meaning freedom, mm-hmm. was essential beyond the interracial kiss. A capable officer who could man other stations. I remember her standing yes. around her with her earphones on. Yes. She could stand at the station on the bridge. When the need arose, she was one of the first African-American women to be featured in a non-menial role. Uh-huh. Like she wasn't a, a you know, a housekeeper or, or maid. Or something like that. <laughs> you know, what she, they, they did not have her cast in that. Uh-huh. NASA, this is what we were talking about earlier, yes, employed yes. Nichols in an effort to encourage women and African Americans to become astronauts. Mm-hmm. NASA uh, uh, astronaut Group 8, selected in 1978, included the first women and ethnic minorities to be recruited, including three blacks. Yeah, Dr. we know Nick one. Jemison, yes. We know the first black woman to fly aboard the space shuttle, like yes. cited Star Trek as an influence in her decision mm. to join the space agency. Nichols remained a supporter of the space program for decades. She suffered a stroke in 2015 and was diagnosed with dementia in 2018, touching off a conservatorship dispute between her manager, Bell, and her son, as well as a friend. Nichols was married and divorced twice, and she is survived by her son, Kyle Johnson. May she rest in peace. peace. Yes, yes. And and she would be on TV. They would always bring her on TV. That's um, yeah. a little bit after the stroke because I guess she had dementia and so you, you, you wouldn't see too uh-huh. much of her right but but she she was beautiful you know when you see her picture she she was beautiful all the way through 89 you know yes like you say even at her older age Mm -hmm. beautiful yes so may she rest in peace may she rest in peace we got you know it's, it's it's something how it doesn't matter as long as what we say 
you believe in what you believe and you keep it moving and you show up, you know, over time, it matters. You never know who's looking at you and and being Uh -uh. inspired to follow in your footsteps. Isn't that great? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, D, what's the latest? Are you going to tell us anything about monkeypox? Yeah. I just wanted to briefly mention monkeypox. The numbers continue to grow up. There are now... I believe three cities, I know New York and a city, I think Los Angeles or San Francisco, has declared monkeypox an emergency. Mm -hmm. Uh, WHO declared it a global emergency about two weeks ago. We have not done that in the United States. And I found it very interesting. I was listening, I think his name is Dr. Javier Bizarras, who's head of the Department of Health and Human Services. And the anchor was asking him, well, you know, World Health Organization declared monkeypox a global emergency, and why haven't we done it here? And his response was, well, we don't have enough data. And so the anchor says, well, how do you have enough data? He goes, well, we have to declare a state of emergency until all the states will be mandated to send data. And I'm like, did he just hear what he said? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. In order to get data, Uh you have to declare an emergency, but you don't want to declare an emergency because you don't have enough data. So I was like, oh. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense at all. No. So anyway, when I was in Atlanta, I was fortunate enough to hear a lecture on monkeypox, and we do have a supply of vaccines. And again, it's another one of those things where we're going to have to be sure that there's an equitable distribution of the vaccine. I did a podcast with a girlfriend. I don't know if you remember Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington, who lived here in town. Okay, okay. Um, you might not have been here. No, yet, I don't think I was here. Her husband yet. came to town. Okay. And they practice here. Now she's in New York. And we did a, a podcast. She interviewed me about monkeypox. Okay. And it was a two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They had 7,000 vaccines ready to be okay. distributed. Okay. They were gone in seven minutes. Wow. Seven minutes. Wow. Let that sink in. Oh. So, you know, some people didn't get them that should have gotten I know. Them. So, right. access to vaccines is probably going to be the same scenario as we have seen with COVID. So, there you have it. Well, there we have it. Wow. There you have it. Now, yeah, th- does yeah, it deform yeah. you or something once you get all those lesions? Do they really no, go away? It, no, it, well, it can, it does have properties. I mean, it can cause, you know, neurological symptoms and so forth. But by and large, it's not a bad illness. But right now we're in the throes of it, trying to figure out what it actually does. And it's very disfiguring when you look at it. I mean, oh, I know. it's not real pleasant to look at. And I just heard just before I came on, we came on the show, mm-hmm. it's starting to have that same stigma effect that HIV AIDS did where mm. the gay, because it has been found predominantly in the men who have sex with men category, but it's starting to have that same stigma mm. that was, that had HIV AIDS. And it's like, I just heard five minutes before I came on the show that there were some blood drawers in the country that are refusing to draw blood on people with monkeypox. So you remember what all that fear was oh, going on with HIV AIDS. So I think we're starting it all over again. So, yeah, that's that's the latest. I'll keep you all posted. All right. And thank you so much, Dee. You are so welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own. 
Haywood Doe Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about the latest updates on the PrEP medicine, the medication, and HIV for adults and adolescents. And our co-host, our wonderful co-host, Dr. D. Banks-Bright, who is an infectious disease specialist, will go in detail on the latest guidelines and updates on PrEP and how folks, you know, how folks can be safe and go ahead and continue and live a life of health and well-being. So I'm going to let Dr. D take over right now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Dr. Vicki Doe. <laughs> so everybody, thank you. Today I'm going to talk about pre-exposure, called PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis in adults and adolescents. And it's kind of interesting that not a lot of people know about this, even though this drug has been out there since 2013. And technically, this medication could revolutionize HIV to where they're shouldn't be any more new cases at all. Today I'm going to focus on PrEP in adolescence and uh, pregnancy. Initially, the PrEP, which is two pills actually now. One pill is Truvada, m tricytabine and Tenofovir, rather, Disproxyl, and Descovi, which is m tricytabine and Tenofovir and Elofenamide. So you've got two medications, and it's one pill. So the year-long surge in sexually transmitted diseases in the United States continued in 2020 during the first year of the COVID pandemic, and there are indications that cases are still arising of STDs. So this affirms once again that America isn't taking STDs, the STD crisis seriously, said Dr. David Harvey, executive director of the National Coalition of the Sexually Transmitted Disease Directors. We can only fight this out-of-control epidemic with funding and the kind of urgency that reflects the enormity of the crisis. According to surveillance data, 32% of all STD cases in 2020 occurred among non-Hispanic black people who Mm. make up only 12% of the United States population. Mm. So in the United States, 21% of new HIV diagnoses in 2019 were among young people 13 to 24. 88% of youth who received a new HIV diagnosis were young men and 12% were young women. From 2009 to 2019, CDC data showed declines in sexual risk behaviors among high school students. The percentage of high school students who ever had sex decreased from 46% in 2009 to 38% in 2019. 
Declines in condom use decreased from 61% in 2009 to 54% in 2019, and that's not real good. Mm -mm. So it's estimated that young people aged 15 to 24 acquire half of all new sexually transmitted affections annually. Get that statistic. I know. 15 to 24-year-old people acquire half of all new STDs. One in four sexually active female adolescents, one in four sexually active female adolescents in the United States had an STD. Mm. One in four. Mm. One in four. Lower use of health care because of concerns regarding confidentiality, limited awareness of the need for screening, and logistical barriers that could include transportation and cost has affected the uh, acquisition, for example, of PrEP. So the author sample from, this is the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance in 2019, mm -hmm. was limited to students who reported having had intercourse with one or more people in the last three months before the survey. Of that group, one-fifth, 20%, reported testing for STD in the previous year, with a higher proportion of females than males reported testing, 26%. Among eligible responders, 4% reported they were not sure if they had an STD test in the last 12 months. There is need to both increase adolescent access to preventive health services as well as to ensure youth receive quality health care when at the clinic so as to reduce missed opportunities. And this is from two physicians in Columbus, Ohio, from the Nationwide mm. Children's Hospital at the Adolescent Medicine Division. So the new head of CDC, Dr. Leandro Mina, who's director of CDC's Division of STD Prevention, he said the COVID pandemic increased the awareness of something we've long known about STDs, social and economic factors such as poverty and health insurance status create barriers, increase experiences with often result in worse health outcomes for some people. So before the COVID-19 pandemic, all reported high rates in the United States with about one half of all new infections occurring in adolescents and young adults. That youth survey that I mentioned previously showed that 20% of high school freshmen and more than 50% of high school seniors have had sex, whereas less than one half reported having used a condom with their most recent sexual encounter. Recommendation for opt-out, which is a program, the patient is notified that STD testing will be performed and they may decline if they want to. There's some data to suggest that this opting out method may improve detection rates and can be cost effective. Substance use and high risk behaviors. Nationwide, 27% of all students are currently sexually active, meaning had sexual intercourse during the previous three months, and 21% of those students are used drugs before their most recent course. Vicky, times have changed. I know. I know. Times have changed. My parents kept me under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Some youth are at higher risk, including lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are at greater risk for negative health outcomes. For example, 11% of lesbian, gay, gay, bisexual students have had sex with four or more partners during their life, compared to 8% of heterosexual students. LGB students were more, also more likely to have ever injected illegal drugs than heterosexual students. And, you know, we're having a lot, lot of problems now mm -hmm. with LGBT students who are having all kinds of issues, you know, with their identity. Yes. And so it, it's a problem. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a problem. So you can understand how these things happen. Yeah, yeah. 
how can schools help prevent HIV? They can teach students the basic basics about HIV and other STDs. They can promote communication between youth and their parents or families, support student access to confidential HIV counseling and testing services, mm-hmm. and connect students to health services that include HIV testing and counseling. What evidence is there to support pre-exposure prophylaxis for adolescents? Mm -hmm. So there were two studies that were done. The expanded indication for PrEP was based on two adolescent-focused safety studies, Adolescent Medicine Trials Network for HIV-AIDS Intervention, and PLUS pills. So this one study, ATN-113, was found to be safe and well-tolerated among a cohort of racially diverse young men who have sex with men ages 15 to 17. Then the PLUS PILL study was conducted in South Africa among adolescent boys and girls ages 15 to 19. In this study, PrEP use was also found to be safe, acceptable, and tolerable for the PILLS PLUS participants. But adherence dropped in the second half of the study in a pattern similar to what was seen in the ATN-113 study. PrEP is recommended for adolescents weighing at least 77 pounds who report sexual or injection behaviors that indicate a risk of HIV acquisition. For both men and women, the only pill that's that's available for both men and women is the pill that I mentioned. I don't like to mention, you know, trade names, but this is a a trade name that people will identify with, Pruvada. Okay. That's the only pill that's available now for men and women. Okay. For men, only oral prep with the other pill, Descovy, is rec- is the recommended option. So you have two choices for men and women, Truvada, but for just men only, Descovy. And that is because the studies have not been done with uh, Descovy and women. It's coming. I, like I said, I was when I was in um, Atlanta, they are starting to look at studies and do studies. Because the reason that the new formulation, Descovy, was so important was that the, the other formulation, Truvada, had so many side effects. People were having renal disease, renal impairment and all mm. these kinds of things. And this Descovy had a much better safety profile. But I found it very interesting that they didn't study it on women. Mm. So women and minorities are often left out of these clinical trials. Okay, wow. Now, the, the new kid on the block is a medication called Cabotegravir. And this is an IM injection that's approved for pre-exposure prophylaxis. The medication that you can take that's an injectable form that will last two doses of it. And it's it's for those individuals who do not want to have to take a daily pill. So there's some, and, and I don't, I, you can't see this, but I, I want to just kind of talk about some clinical care models. So what the CDC has done, and they know that, you know, trying to get the word out, first of all, it's kind of interesting. Who are the biggest offenders of physicians because they don't know anything about it. Mm. And the problem is the, the patients are not going to infectious disease doctors. We're not the first responders. But people are not going into the doctor's office saying, you know, I think I'm at high risk. They're not going into the office necessarily saying, I think I'm at high risk. And the questions are not being asked. Mm. So we would ask that history as infectious disease specialists. But the, the primary care physicians may not ask it. And so you may not be aware that that person is a uh, person that might benefit from PrEP. 
So what the CDC did was they brought up this clinical care model, awareness, and under that, promotion, engagement, and education, and then uptake when the person gets to the doctor's office, initial clinical evaluation, assessment of indicators, history, labs, counseling, and then prescribed PrEP. And then it's not just the prescribing. Now it's follow-up patient assessment and, and counseling. Mm. It has to be the whole kit and caboodle. So now CDC is putting out a lot of literature, a lot of culturally sensitive literature. That's the other thing. When people see that, that drugs are promoted and they don't see anybody on the ads that look like them, it's a barrier. Mm. It's a barrier. So now the CDC is pr- promoting and putting out more literature to attract those people of color or, like I said, those people of the diaspora. Mm. The United States Public Service Task Force released a, an A rating for PrEP for adolescents and adults who are at high risk for HIV acquisition. They said the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine Physicians states that adolescent and young adult health professionals should develop evidence-based, developmentally appropriate culturally sensitive and accessible PrEP service delivery models as part of routine care offered to adolescents and young adults. Providers are encouraged to counsel patients about PrEP, describe it as a safe and effective HIV prevention strategy in combination with condoms, and refer patients to available providers for initiation and monitoring of PrEP use if you are not HIV positive. So it is imperative and incumbent upon individuals who want to start taking PrEP, that they are sure that they're not HIV positive. Mm. So the limited number of prescriptions overall that are provided to use may be directly related to, as I said, lack of provider knowledge and discomfort with providing it. One study of primary care physicians' attitudes regarding PrEP use for adolescents found that just 37% of clinicians were somewhat or very familiar with PrEP. Barriers, adherence, safety, and side effects concerns about parents as a barrier, and a lack of physician knowledge about PrEP. One study found that clinicians reported greater intention to prescribe PrEP to adults versus adolescent men who have sex with men and transgender women. The newest guidelines that came out in 2021 about PrEP, the new recommendations were inform all sexually active adults and adolescents that PrEP can protect them from getting HIV, Mm-hmm. Providers should offer PrEP to anyone who asks for it, including sexually active adults who do not report behaviors that put them at risk for getting HIV. So it needs to be offered to everybody. Mm. Oh, and the other thing is that providers also need to be familiar with the laws of the state. Yeah. Because when you start prescribing things to minors, you need to be sure what your state says about consent to testing and treatment for STDs and so forth. So it's all over the board, so you need to check with your local legal agencies, the legal agencies and governing bodies or Department of Health, really, to find out what that is. Mm. So lastly, I just want to mention pregnancy and breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Right now, most of the data regarding PrEP was done, and I, you have to learn a lot of, lot of um, terms. I, there was a young lady who was talking from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. She runs the HIV program down at Emory, mm-hmm. and she was talking about cisgender and non-binary and transgender and transsexual, and people had to raise their hand in the audience and say, whoa, what? wait, you're using terminology here that we're not familiar with. You know, mm-hmm. I think in order to talk the talk and walk the walk, you have to understand, like, cisgender. Mm-hmm. Cisgender are those individuals who were born women, mm-hmm. you know, XX 
chromosomes. Mm -hmm. And then there's transgender, people, individuals who were born a certain way but decided to accept another gender, mm -hmm. or transsexual, those who have had the actual surgery. Mm -hmm. And then there are non-binary who don't identify either way, can go back and forth, or bisexual, people who can go back and so, in order to talk to patients, you have to be updated on what, on what it is. Mm -hmm. So all the research has been done on women who were uh, born as a woman with XX chromosomes, not transgender or whatever. So there are no data about transgender men, gender queer is another term, or non-binary individuals who have become pregnant. You know, there are men who become women who become men who carry babies. You've heard about that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But this is just women. So in, an increased risk of HIV acquisition has been documented for women during periods of contraception, pregnancy, and breastfeeding. Providers should, again, offer PrEP with Truvada mm -hmm. to women seeking to conceive and pregnant or breastfeeding women whose sexual partner has HIV, especially when their current partner's viral load is unknown, is detectable, or cannot be documented as undetectable. They do say, however, that women whose sexual partners with HIV achieve an undetectable level, mm -hmm. there's very little chance of them getting it. Basically, in essence, the goal for 2030 mm -hmm. is to increase the estimated percentage of people with indications for PrEP classified as having been prescribed PrEP to at least 50% by 2025 and remain at 50% by 2030. It comes under the program called Ending the HIV Epidemic. And when you think about it, mm -hmm. this can prevent, has the possibility of preventing HIV AIDS. Mm -hmm. It's revolutionary. So you would think that there would be a huge big bandwagon in this country. I know. Our country, since it's a developed country. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I said, the first responders are not me. They're the emergency room doctors and those individuals who are the primary care physicians. Okay, so so that means that all of us got work to do. You know, we got to all of us have work to do to get <laughs> mm -hmm. the word out. To get One the word person out. needs to tell another person yes. to tell another person. Because again, when you're dealing with issues, when you're dealing with issues of sexuality, mm -hmm. there's a lot of confidentiality and trust that has to be maintained. So mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I remember yeah. at. At one point, when I was back teaching, you know, last semester, last year, whatever, and so uh -huh. forth and so on, I just asked because a lot of the students, for some reason, they would like to really talk to me, you know, real talk. And I would take the time uh -huh. before I would teach to, you know, do we have any questions? Is it real talk? Right. And right. exactly. we were talking about the whole, you know, sexuality and the fluidy, you know, I'm fluid and all that kind of stuff. And so I asked, I said, okay, if we, if we doing all this, anybody heard of PrEP? And only about two people. And the room was packed with um, about 40. See? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, and we were in this conference mm -hmm. where I did the presentation. Half of the room raised their hand that they hadn't heard of it. And these were doctors. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad... I'm glad CDC and then, of course, you guys have always been out there talking about it. And so, yeah, it uh -huh. takes that. It takes that, right? Exactly, exactly. A health exactly. awareness. Yes, it does. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And it shouldn't just be for one subspecialty. Mm -hmm. Everybody should know about PrEP so that any encounter that's in any subspecialty that yes. you're in, 
it's an opportunity for you to get the word out. Yes, yes. If you're talking about health and wellness, you need to be talking yeah. about prep because that helps a person exactly. to be safe. Since we talk about safe exactly. sex, exactly. Okay, well, D, this ends our show. So, what can you give us some summary of tips that we should do? Yeah. Well, um, prep Truvada. Mm-hmm. Uh, other name is intricytabine and tenofovir desfoxyl. And Descovi, other name intricytabine, tenofovir, and elofenamide, are both safe PrEP medications. That's pre-exposure prophylaxis. Truvada is safe for men and women. Okay. And the Descovi has really only been studied in men. Get yourself educated about it. As, if any of you are primary care physicians or whatever specialty you're in, if you're listening to our broadcast, get educated. This pill, mm-hmm. these pills, can revolutionize HIV to where we shouldn't have any more effects. Well, there it is. There it is. We will be talking about PrEP on this show, and whenever we go out, I'll definitely be talking about it because... You know, it's a part of being safe, safe sex, and a part of having quality of life, health and wellness and well-being, right? Yes, exactly. Well, Dee, thank you so much for that. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. And as always, folks, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us. Email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com. <laughs>